Thank you for tuning in to Pastor Brian Hallam's podcast series. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info. We hope you enjoy today's message. If you have your Bible, open up to Daniel chapter number 3. Daniel chapter number 3. I'd like to talk this morning about the idea of turning it up. I'd like to talk to you this morning about the idea of turning it up a little bit in your life. You see, we live in a world where the more vile you are, the more enlightened or progressive you are considered, the more out there you are, the more you're willing to accept and tolerate somehow or another that has been painted as you are somehow a better individual or a more intelligent person or a more uh, 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 cranial, ideological human being. You're more theological if you've chosen that all paths lead to the same God. They, you get painted with this picture that you're just the, the king or the queen of exceptionalism and everything about your life is then deemed better and okay because of the the idea that you accept things and that you just agree with things just by default. Well, we live in a world where wickedness is mainstream and morality is pushed to the curb. We live in a world where uh, sin uh, tramples across our television set and our radio waves and we ignore it or even turn the volume up instead of turning it off to protect the ears of our little children. We get in a place where we are sucked into things. We get into a restaurant and there's something on the TV that 10, maybe 20 years ago, somebody would have gone and ripped the TV off the wall and thrown it in the street and we laugh at it and we say, that's just the way it is. Well, I believe the church of God, I believe the church of Jesus Christ ought to begin to turn it up a little bit. I believe we ought to begin to be the church of God who sits there and says, you may do that and you may do that, but we are not going to do that. There are rights and there are wrongs in this world. And the cloudiness or the gray areas that have been presented, and everybody likes to say by mainstream media, whatever, mainstream media in your life has a knob that you can turn off anytime you want to. What you tolerate, eventually you will accept. And what you accept, you will eventually begin to endorse. So in our life, we have to get good at becoming, uh, 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 good at being the light of Christ without tarnishing our walk. We have to get good at accepting that there are people out there who don't know the Lord, that need the Lord, and come up with a way to present the gospel of Jesus Christ in a manner that can be heard, but at the same time, you were not called to roll in the mud with the pigs. The prodigal son found himself rolling in the mud with the pigs. And the Bible says that he came to himself, got up, dusted himself off, and went back to his father's house. Another time, there was a demoniac who was uh, caught in a graveyard in the tombs. And he was uh, cutting himself with rocks. People think that the idea uh, of, of cutting yourself and stuff like that, if you struggle with that, it's not new. It's been going on since time began. It's the enemy wanting to take you out quicker than you ought to be taken out. So he's in these tombs and he's cutting himself and he's, he's hurting people. And they try to bind him with fetters and chains and he would just break them. And then he'd beat the guy up who, who took him from him. He'd strip his clothes off and run around crazy 
And he came, and Jesus came to that place called the Gadarenes. He stepped out of a boat and stepped on land. And that man ran to Jesus' feet, bowed his head, and said, Oh my goodness, the Son of God has come to my beach. What am I trying to say? This guy had 6,000 demons, the Bible says, on the inside of him. And 6,000 demons could not stop him from worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But here's how the story ends. The Bible says that the demons begin to negotiate with Jesus. Jesus shows up and they realize they've got to go. But they said, oh, don't throw us into the abyss. Don't throw us in the water. They hate water. That's another good reason to get baptized. Don't throw us into the abyss. Don't throw us into the outer area. Put us in those pigs over there. God never called you to run around with the pigs. He called you out of that nonsense. It's a different day in a different age. We live in a world where we are considered narrow-minded if we choose to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. We're considered to be uh, unaccepting and and we're considered to be uh, without real thought process if we choose to believe the Bible. And if we choose to say, if the Bible says it's right, then I agree that it's right. If the Bible says it's wrong, then I agree that it's wrong. But here's the deal. The church of God was never meant to lay dormant on the sidewalk. The church of God was meant to stand flat-footed and declare that Jesus Christ really is a soon-coming king. His words were will not fail. His word will not return void. And if we will stand for it, he will stand with us. It's a different day, but it's still the same. You see, the same things were around now are around now that were around then. The Bible says that Solomon in Ecclesiastes, who was considered the wisest man to ever live, except for Jesus, of course, who knows everything. But Solomon, the Bible says, he says that there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing that you're going through that somebody else hasn't gone through. And I know uh, that's not taught a lot because a lot of, you know, you want to watch uh, uh, Oprah or somebody like that. And I like all those people. I really don't care one way or the other. But, but they'll sit there and they'll sit on the couch and they'll say, well, you're just so unique. You're just dealing with something that's so incredibly unique. And their problem might be that they can't sleep at night because they're wondering whether or not the light goes off and on in the refrigerator. But they're filled with this idea that they are somehow more unique than somebody else. And you're dealing with something that nobody else has ever dealt with. Because if you can begin to believe the idea that you are going through something that nobody else has gone through, then the the next idea that follows is the idea that nobody understands me. I might not understand you. Toby will not understand you. But Jesus understands you. He doesn't kind of understand you. The Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head. The Bible says he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. The Bible says that his plans for you are for good and not evil. He knows everything there is to know about you. The things that you don't know about you, he knows about you. The good things that you're going to do in the future, he knows about you. The bad things that you've done in the past, he's forgotten because you've repented and you've called on the name of Jesus. You've got to understand that this God that we serve is so personal that he doesn't want to leave you, and he could. He doesn't want to forsake you, and he could. He's a good God that loves you very much. Daniel chapter number 3, 
The Bible says that there was a king named Nebuchadnezzar and there was three guys. It was actually four, a guy named Daniel. Daniel's not in this story, but there was three guys, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Somebody say, I'd never name my kids that. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They sit there and the Bible says that they had found favor with Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, so what had happened is Daniel, he could foretell dreams and he was a great prophet of God that was held captive in Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. And when Nebuchadnezzar would need something, he'd call on Daniel and one time he was going to kill him. And uh, instead of killing him, Daniel told him the dream that he was trying to figure out. And when he did, uh, the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar made him ruler over everything. But then Daniel didn't forget his buddies. He said, well, what about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And he made them uh, rulers as well. And so they were all just high on the hog in this pagan land called Babylon. They served the Lord God Jehovah. They worshipped Him day and night. They were good young men that loved God, lived for God constantly. And the Bible says that God had His hand on them. And greatly in part because of Daniel, but definitely God had His hand on them. And then things began to take kind of a rough turn in their life. You see, Nebuchadnezzar, he was a a man that believed himself or at least wanted the people to believe that he was a God and a man. So what he did is he had a statue built that was 99 feet tall of himself. The statue on Interstate 45 of Sam Houston, has anybody ever seen that? It's 67 feet tall. So the guy, Nebuchadnezzar, builds one that's uh, uh, the Sam Houston statue is only two-thirds as tall. So it was a huge statue, a huge undertaking. And he says to everybody, he says, here's what's going to happen, guys. When you hear music, you're going to fall down and worship this statue of me. When you hear music, you're going to fall down and worship me at my statue. Well, this is where the trouble starts for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they knew that you're to worship the Lord thy God and Him only will you serve. They knew that they weren't called to lay on their face before anybody else other than the great God Jehovah. They knew that they were not called to be laying down to statues in the sand, but rather they were to worship God and Him alone. So as life continues, things start to really get heated up and there's some guys that don't like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or Daniel at all. And they they just absolutely despise them because they're witches and warlocks and they might have had some power, but they had no power compared to God. So they were sitting there constantly and they were saying, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, listen, you're the greatest king that's ever lived. And there's these guys that when the music plays, they won't bow. God's looking for some people today that when the music plays, you've already decided you're not going to bow. You see, as we go through the story, these guys, they don't get real cautious about the scenario because they already knew their answer before they got to the question. So oftentimes we go through life and we say, well, what do you do when this happens? I don't know. What do you do if that happens? Well, here's what you do. You live for God. You serve God. You trust God. You believe God. And don't ever back down. If you'll just, when times get tight, turn it up, it won't matter how hot. They heat the furnace. Somebody say amen. Amen. It could be in this day and age. I'll just say it like this. Most likely this week, you will not be threatened with a fiery furnace. Most likely this week, you will not be threatened with the idea that somebody's going to throw you in an oven and burn you to a crisp. Yours might sound like this. 
somebody begins to talk about a church member in your presence. And you don't say, hey, that's my brother or my sister. Yours might sound like this. That person calls you that, you know, every time you get on the phone with them, the conversation's going to go like this. Yours might sound like this. If you'll just lie a little bit, you can probably increase the value of the contract. And this will be the difference between this. Yours might sound like this. My wife won't know if I fill in the blank. It could be anything. What I'm saying is, the odds of you being threatened with a fiery furnace are not very likely. But the bottom line is, the music is playing in your life. And whether you bow or not is up to you. Since time began, music has been the syringe that either healing is injected or infection is injected. I could sing the first lyric of a song And you would immediately know what it was. If you heard uh, uh, Leo get up here and play the first lick of Sweet Home Alabama, everybody in this room would know the song. Because music has access to you when you give access to it. Music is getting into your soul, it's getting into your mind, it's getting into your emotions, it's getting into your being. And that's why the enemy constantly is trying to use music on the younger generation because they don't have the age and the wisdom and the knowledge of the Word of God which can help them identify that which is good and that which is bad. That's what parents are for, by the way. But along the way, you have to recognize that music is making a penetration into your life whether you like it or not. Now, I'm not saying that all music that that doesn't worship God is bad. I'm just saying we ought to be real careful. How many times have you heard somebody say this? I just like the music. I really don't care, you know, what they do. How many times have you heard this? I just like the beat. I really don't. I'm not too interested in the lyrics. Well, the lyrics are the thing that you can't forget now. As soon as you hear that bump, 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 you go, sweet home Alabama. It's in there, okay? It just, boom. What if I... Just like that. Immediately takes you to a place. Because music is the absolute avenue to get access into your spirit. The reason we have praise and worship before I get up here and teach is because the Bible says to enter His gates with thanksgiving in your heart and enter His courts with praise. We're trying to establish an atmosphere and that's what music does. Which, by the way, we have the best music in the Brazos Valley. Would you agree? Not to mention the best media team as well. Wave, guys. I would sound like this if they weren't here. So along the way, we have to recognize that the music's playing. The music's playing in your life. The music's playing in my life. The question is, is will you bow? Along the way, you have to recognize that relationships oftentimes have termination points. And if you cross the termination point of a relationship, oftentimes it can do a lot of harm to you specifically. Think about it. You have people in your life that were grade school friends. Then you had some middle school friends, and man, you remember, oh man, we're just, we're blood brothers, we're never going to be apart, man, I tell you what, we're going to buy this, we're going to, we're just, you know, we're going to do everything, everything together, 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 you girls were, pinky promising, and you're going to, I'm going to pick your husband, you pick my husband, we'll have marriage on the same day, it's going to be amazing. 
And then you get to second grade and you're like, I can't believe she said that to me. The nerve of her. Then you get to junior high. Same thing. High school, same thing. College or you go to work. Same thing. There's people in your life that have a termination point on the relationship that you can have with them. Not because they're bad people. They might even be saved and living for God. But the bottom line is, if they are dragging you down constantly, sometimes you have to lay aside every weight that holds you back. It's just the way of it. Most relationships in your life have seasons and limits. But then there are covenant relationships. My wife and I came over to uh, Bryan College Station a little over a year ago. Didn't know one human being. And God has blessed us in the last year or so with several covenant relationships. Those that I know are, they will stand the test of time. Those that I know will stand the test of distance. One is right here in the building. Toby McLaughlin and Kathy. Wave at everybody. This is my brother, even though he's, you know, a little younger than me. We've seen it and we've done it. We've caught catfish together. We've skint catfish together. We've roofed houses together. We've swept up uh, uh, animal poop at, 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 what are those things called? Petting zoos together. We've done it. This is my brother. We've cried together. We pray together. We love God together. And he lives about 70 miles away from me. But I never have a question as to whether or not my covenant friend is for me. You see, those kind of relationships, unfortunately, are few and far between. So you have to get good at knowing the limit of the relationship that you might be in. If you have your Bible, open up to Daniel chapter 3, if you're not already there. We're going to begin reading in verse number 15. What happens is, is Nebuchadnezzar gets word back that the, uh, that the Israelite, the, the Hebrew young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are refusing to bow to his statue. So he decides that he's going to set up a little meeting with them. And when he has the meeting with them, he doesn't have good news. Verse number 15 says it this way. If you're ready at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sack, but psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, to fall and worship the image which I've made, well, that means good. It'd be all right with you. But if you don't worship... You shall be cast the same hour, which is to say immediately, in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of mine hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter, which is to say this way, I don't even have to think about what I'm going to say to you right now because I made my decision long before I came to this meeting. If you'll choose today that you're going to live for God for the rest of your life, then your answers have already been made. If you choose today to live for God for the rest of your life, then your decision and your retort has already been established when the enemy comes threatening you with some kind of a nonsense fire. You've got to get good right now at saying, tomorrow I'm going to live for God, the next day I'm going to live for God, next week I'm going to live for God, and if I find myself that I have fallen back, I'm going to do what the Bible says, and remember that the righteous may fall a thousand times, but the Scripture says they get back up. We're going to live for God. We're going to answer the people that come coming against, that come against us and start questioning the Word of God with the Word of God. We're not going to back off. We are going to turn it up. Amen. So really what happened was, 
is Nebuchadnezzar. He just does what the uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego already did. He decides he wants to turn it up. Verse number 18, verse number 17 says, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if he does not, be it known unto thee, O king, we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. I wish somebody would get a little bit of an idea. I wish somebody would get a little bit of the reality that says, he may die, I may die tomorrow, but what are you threatening me with? Are you threatening me with heaven? Because that's where I'm going. When Paul said, I'm going somewhere and said, they're going to kill you. He said, listen to me. For me to die would be to gain because when I take my last breath here, I inhale in heaven because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What are they threatening us with anyway? They already turned it up and said, we're not even careful to answer you. What's the difference between burning at a thousand degrees and burning at seven thousand degrees? I don't care. I've made my decision. I can't tell you how many times my wife and I, who's over there uh, uh, teaching the kids right now to love Jesus. See, she, we grab hands and we'd be praying for something, a big milestone in our life or something. And we would pray it just like this. We'd say, Lord Jesus, we would rather serve you in a ditch than be on a mountaintop without you. So we believe you that you are going to move on our behalf. But if you don't, we're not bowing to that. It's just the way you do it as a Christian. Everybody in life is pulling on you. Everything in life is pulling on you. The music is playing. The question is posed. I'm asking you to turn it up. I'm asking you to live like he died for you. I'm asking you to stand flat-footed and say abortion is wrong, period. I'm asking you to stand flat-footed and say marriage is between a man and a woman because this book says so. I'm asking you that when the enemy comes in like a flood, to trust that God will raise up a standard against it and for you to just turn it up. Verse number 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. And listen to this. And the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake, he spoke, and commanded that they should heat the furnace up seven times more than it already was heated. The form of his visage is changed. Which is just to say, his disposition changed. Did you know when times get tough, you find out what's inside? And a lot of times people change. A lot of times people change for the better and glory to God. But sometimes people do not change for the better and they begin to come, become uh, vile towards you and things like that. And again, we're not trying to throw them into the woods or any nonsense. But all we're saying is we're going to lay aside some things. We're going to make sure that we maintain good conversation and a good atmosphere. We're going to do our very best to live for God, speak for God, talk for God, love God, serve God, witness for God, and move forward in the things of God. And if somebody in your life 
life decides to change and go off the wagon, you don't have to go into the mud with them just to say you're their friend. You can do more for them at midnight on your knees in the safety of your home than you will ever do for them out there smoking, token, or joking with them. That's just the way of it. A friendship doesn't mean you have to do and agree with everything that everybody says. A friendship means that you love them. A friendship means that you're willing to stick closer to them than a brother would stick to them. A friendship is something that is, the Bible says, when you found a friend, you found a good thing. So for us, in our life, if somebody decides to change, if somebody decides to flip the script... And become a Nebuchadnezzar in your life. The guy who gives you all this favor and blesses you and everything else. But then all of a sudden they say, if you're my friend, you would smoke this with me. If you're my friend, you would talk about them with me. If you're my friend, you would this. If you're my friend, you would that. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, if you guys don't do this, don't you remember, I'm the one who puts you in charge. I'm the one who this, I'm the one who that. And they said, well, that's fine, whatever. Bottom line is, we don't serve your God and we don't serve you. If you'll get that kind of mentality, there's no end to where you'll go with God. But remember, when times get tough is when you find out what's inside. Squeeze a lemon, lemon juice. Squeeze an orange, orange juice. Squeeze an apple, apple juice. Squeeze an alligator, Gatorade. My question is, when it gets hot, when it looks as though it couldn't get worse, and then it turns up, can you turn it up? Sometimes we fight fire with fire. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual uh, uh, principalities. Things in high places. It doesn't say we don't wrestle. It says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You've got to fight the good fight of faith. So for the sake of time, I'll wrap up the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I wish I was there. I don't know, maybe in heaven they'll be like a... They'll have a DVD stack or something that we can... But can you imagine... Everybody is fearful this guy. He makes a hundred foot statue of himself. And these three guys bebop in there. And say, I'm going to burn you to a crisp. And in our language they said, I don't even have to think about what I'm going to say to you. I'm not bowing. I don't care what you made or didn't make. I don't care if it's gold. It doesn't make any difference to me. It's nice music, but I'm not bowing. I wish I'd have been there. But I feel that most of us are there all the time. Moments when you have the opportunity to bow or not. Moments when you have the opportunity to compromise your witness. Nobody's here to condemn. But I am here to say, let the God of heaven and earth, the one who sent his son to die for you, to save your soul, Let him know every chance you get. I'm here to serve you, God, and not something else. So he takes it, heats it up seven times hotter, and the Bible says that the the, the Hebrews, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were bound. They were tied up. And the Scripture says that they threw them 
in the furnace, in the fire. And it was so hot that the guys who threw them in the fire, the fire leaped out and killed them. Burned them to a crisp. And the Bible says that they got thrown in there and something very interesting happens. Verse number 24 says it like this. Then Nebuchadnezzar, well, I'll start with 23. The three wise, the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished and rose up in haste, got up real quick, and spoke and said unto his counselors, the guys around him, Did not we throw three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered unto the king said, Yes, true, okay. Verse number 25. Maybe my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Verse number 25. And he answered, Lo, I see four men loose and walking in the midst of the fire and have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. They were tied up, thrown in the fire. They were told, if you don't bow, you'll burn. But they believed God's Word that said, if we bow, we might burn a lot longer than that oven's going to burn. said, if you don't bow, you'll burn. They said, fine. I'll heat it up seven times hotter. They said, fine. We'll tie you up before we throw you in there. Fine. I'm not careful to answer you in this. And what's interesting is they found out something very powerful. It's not where you are. It's who you're with. You and Jesus in the middle of an oven is better than you and the devil in the palace. Now here's the thing that happened. Nebuchadnezzar looks and goes, oh my goodness, look at them. They're in there marching around. I can't believe it. Oh my gosh. Hey, you guys get out of here. And they walked out and the Bible says that they weren't hurt. And it says that their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. There was no residual effect on their lives. What I'm telling you is the enemy is constantly whispering and screaming in your ear. If you'll just bow, this will happen. If you'll just make this decision, that'll happen. And you always feel this urge to go, well, maybe a little bit, but on your inside, you've got to be able to go, I'm not careful to answer you, meaning I've already made my decision. I'm not going to bow. And here's what happens. When you get to the other side, when you get tied up and you feel like it'll never work, and you get thrown in the fire, now you really don't know what to do. Then you look up and you see Jesus right in the middle of your situation. You're going to be able to walk out of that situation without anything attached. That means your family members are not going to be adversely affected by the bad decisions you've made in the past. It's under the blood. That means your family members are not going to be affected by mistakes that you've made that you're worried about. I'm not saying you were right in doing it, but Jesus never left you and he's never forsaken you. So in the hottest moment of your life, he was there. In the darkest moment of your life, he was there. And his book says that he's no respecter of person. Acts chapter 10. 
And because he's no respecter of persons, that means he won't do something for me and leave Kim out. He won't do something for Toby and leave Kathy out. He won't do something for Leo. Well, never do anything for Leo. Just kidding. He won't do something for Leo and leave me out. So if he did it for these three guys who didn't... Listen, they didn't even really know about the cross yet. They didn't have the victory of the resurrection after three days. They weren't even able to be baptized in the Spirit, the strength and the fire of God. None of those things. But they still stood flat-footed. And when the moment got tough, they chose to turn it up. Could you stand to your feet with me, please? Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info.